Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And today on our 10th episode, we're showing some brotherly love with Sean and Drew Oleskowicz. How's it going, guys? Great. Yourself? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, buddy. Hey, no problem. So, guys, uh, Super Bowl Sunday just passed us. Tom Brady takes uh, takes home his seventh Super Bowl. I, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely thought going into the game it was going to be a little bit closer of a game, higher scoring, back and forth. That's kind of what I anticipated. Um, obviously, that's not what happened. Uh, Todd Bowles is getting a lot of credit for uh, game planning. Sean, being a, a defensive guy, defensive back guy, uh, what did you take away from kind of Tampa Bay's game plan uh, to, uh, you know, defend Mahomes and that uh, explosive offense? The first game was a huge lesson to for for Tampa. Like, uh, I think they played a lot of cover zero, brought the house, played a lot of cover one that first game, and they got torched. So uh, they went with a different look. They played two high safeties the whole time, basically a shell. I think it was like 76% of the time they were in that two shell look. And uh Andy Reid refused to run the ball, just mm-hmm. kind of went back to his eagle ways. Clyde there, I think he had seven for 61 and averaged like seven yards or something right. like that, even eight a carry, and they just refused to give him the ball. Even Drew and I were watching the game there, and I was like, they're running it in between the A-gaps pretty well here with some of those draws and stuff, but yep. he just refused to run it. It was kind of like he went back to his Philadelphia ways there a little bit. And, and we don't know how much his son had an impact on his headspace. I think that's a major thing that's kind of been downplayed here a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's super true. Um, in, in terms of Kansas city, they kind of imploded before halftime. They took a, a few uh, PI calls in a row there. Did you feel like kind of what unfolded on their sidelines was kind of warranted by some of the calls? Yeah. Like the, the, the one on 32 on Tyrone Matthew, they're like, I don't know what else is he supposed to do as a DB. Like he's on top of the road. He's, he has a position. Mm-hmm. He gets a little like we teach our guys. We're trying to be very aggressive at the top of routes, and they just called it. It's it, it's a different it's a different league down there now, and we've seen it over the past maybe ten years. Uh, you can't be touching guys anymore. But I, I thought they would let him play more, mm-hmm. more like they called it in the Green Bay game. So I was kind of disappointed in that way. Yeah, the consistency is is off from week to week, which which definitely hurts, right? So big time. So Drew, in terms of like. Tampa Bay's offensive game plan, you know, there wasn't a lot of receiver play. You're a receiver guy. It was uh, obviously Gronk got featured a little bit more. I'm not sure if that was necessarily by design or if it just kind of unfolded that way. What were your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I mean, I you know, we can speculate as much as, as possible, but I, I think for the most part, their game plan was to, you know, control that clock, uh, run the ball, and, you know, they were doing a great job. You know, Kansas City, you know, doesn't have, you know, they have a great pass rush, but uh, their, their run-stopping defense isn't the greatest. So, um, plus with, you know, Mahomes being a little bit, injured with his foot uh both tackles being out um i think they wanted to limit his opportunity on the field as much as possible so um let's run the ball get five six yards of carry and just try and march the way all the way down the field and put up points on the board uh of course is the end result um you know but you know like you said the receivers didn't do much well, I think a little bit Kansas City was scared of, you know, guys like Scotty Miller. He had mm-hmm. zero catches. He had right. one rush for, for negative three yards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you look at the week before, he really, before uh, halftime, scored that touchdown for them, you know, to get up on Green Bay. 
Really, he was one of those sneaky guys where, you know, you don't pay attention to, but he has that one big play and it totally changes the game, right? So they shut him down. But, um, yeah, like you said, Gronk, for the most part, I don't know if, you know, Kansas City really thought he was a threat. Looking mm-hmm. out the, the rest of the season, he really wasn't a threat. Right. Uh, you could tell he's, he's lost a step. Um, but he did a good job, you know. Brady put the ball right on the money, and it didn't make it too difficult for Gronk to make those plays. Um, and it seemed like when Gronk was covered and they needed a long conversion, there was those Mike Evans was getting his way with those DBs. And it, if right. he wasn't catching the ball, you know, those PI calls were coming towards him. And in terms of, like, Mahomes, obviously, you know, like you alluded to, he had a foot injury, uh, obviously missing the offensive lineman, which is, you know, huge talk right now. And Overall, how did you feel like he played? No, I think he played great for, for you know, the cards that were dealt to him. Tackles were out, foot injury. Um, you know, he, you know, for for almost every passing down, he had three, four guys in his face, right? Mm-hmm. And then he was still making plays. There's that one image circ- circling around the social media where he's sideways throwing the right. ball, right? And how many times do we see that? Um, you know, there's there's a good video going on, some guy in the States made of, you know, just a, a funny TikTok of him just getting absolutely killed out there right. and hitting guys right in the hands or in the helmets. And, and that's basically what the game was. He was doing everything he could mm-hmm. um, to make a play, make a first down. Uh, and the rest of his teammates, you know, I felt were just letting him down. And I don't disagree with you. I just find that uh, in terms of quarterback play, right, obviously I, I train a lot of quarterbacks, and there's this blend now of, you know, playing off script and, and kind of working on things that are a little unconventional. And I know I struggle as a coach kind of allowing my quarterbacks to do certain things like that. Or Obviously I want them to do things properly. I don't want to be throwing the ball across the field or throwing sidearm and that kind of stuff. Um, but, again, you know, Mahomes is, you know, a different player altogether and can make that all that happen. The one critique I would have, uh, not that he wasn't running for his life because he definitely was, but there were, I would say, anywhere from five to ten plays where he took his drop, he hit his last step of his drop, and then he didn't throw the ball, right? And then he's moving around, and then and then he's running for his life. So I think that there were some plays, and obviously I don't know what schemes were called or, or what the plays were, but... I definitely felt as a QB guy that he wasn't in a rhythm with whatever the play was designed, right? We don't design three and five step drops to take the drop, wait, 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 then run around, right? So, um, yeah, I think, that sure. that, I think that that played into it a little bit. So, you know, it's, it's hard when he's running for his life. I think uh, Tampa Bay did a, a good job early on by kind of making him run on third down. I know I was watching the game with my dad. My dad was getting all angry, but he's like, why do they keep letting him run? I was like, just be patient. I think this is going to work out. So, you know, in the end, I, I think that that played a little bit to it because, you know, maybe he whirled that toe a little bit early on in the game. I don't know. but For sure. Well, and you look at it, too. The, the beginning of the game, they were doing screen passes left, right, and center, right? They right. were trying to get away from that pressure. Mm-hmm. But eventually they were down too much and it's like hey we can't be dumping the ball a yard or two behind the line of scrimmage every down expecting it to go for a home run true i feel like eventually they got sort of into hey this isn't our offense Mm -hmm. we're a vertical offense hey we're down to one and we got to make something happen we're running out of time and like you said that's when patty was like all right now i'm gonna drop back oh crap i'm gonna drop back further let's try and make a play out of this right And, and those plays weren't happening yeah no that's that's great insight so, you know, guys, again, with with Tom taking home the seventh Super Bowl, kind of the the cementing of the GOAT status, you know, a lot of people are, are feeling that way. I, I've been on record before, obviously. Uh, I was a huge Michael Jordan fan as a kid growing up. I saw a lot of those big-time moments with him coming up in the clutch. So I've always kind of had Michael Jordan in my heart for, for being the GOAT of anything. I've always said he was probably the most clutch athlete I've ever seen myself. 
Uh, and then in terms of football, you know, I've been on record saying that I think Montana is the, the greatest QB of all time based upon four Super Bowls, four victories, no picks, you know, in a different era where he was going to take shots. The guys these days don't take shots like they used to. So uh, I think I think the game's different. So, Sean, what do you think about, about Brady winning that Super Bowl? Do you think that that cements the GOAT status for him? Well, like, I, I have a different opinion than everyone. I'm similar like you. I hate comparing eras. I think the game, like, has changed so much from even the last 15 years. Um, if you go watch a CFL game where Lapo was calling plays with Charles Roberts and Mike Sellers, they're in two back sets, and they're right. basically not in 5R that much whatsoever. So I, I, I think it's very – it's changed the way – um, we look at the quarterback position, and I think the physicality of, of the league has gone off where guys can play a longer time and be mm-hmm. healthier. Right. Um, it was hard to throw the ball in the 80s, like early mm-hmm. 90s. Like It was hard, I, and I think some people that are maybe uneducated when it comes to the football, because football's blown up so much, I think um, the NFL ratings in Canada were close to $9 million, which is eight times the amount the Stanley Cup Finals were right. last year. So. Um, it was so hard to throw the ball in the '80s. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I hate the 49ers as a Cowboy fan, but I'm always leaning with Montana just because how hard it was to throw the ball back then. Um, and Tom's been with some great teams. Like that defense really played well down the stretch. Those early New England teams, their defense gets overshadowed so much just because of the legend of Tom and Bill now. So yeah. I hate comparing eras. I don't like doing it. But if I had to pick a guy, give me Montana. Okay, I like it. I'm still with you. All right, Drew, how, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can't discredit what he's done, obviously, right? Uh, he's taken teams, and, and it's pretty impressive. Like, you know, what's this at? Over 50% of the time he's in the Super Bowl for his career, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's pretty impressive. Will we ever see it again? Who knows? Maybe not in our generation, maybe further down the line. I, you know, it's, it, it's interesting to see or be nice to see um, how much Tampa Bay actually took of Tom's offense and what he did in New England, right? right? Because, you know, they were struggling at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. um, did not look good at all, no. um, right? And, and, and you know, Bruce Arians at some point in the season, uh, you know, took the reins off of him, right? Yeah. And uh, it wasn't so much Bruce's offense anymore. No. It was, it, you know, it was Tom, it was Byron Leftwich, right? They were getting together, coming up with schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to see how much Tom actually put in with his Patriots offense. You know, there's always, you know, that argument that goes along with this, oh, is Tom a system quarterback, right? right? Was it just, you know, Josh McDaniel's offense? So mm-hmm. is it really, did he just bring those plays over with him and say, hey, let's run this, this, and this, it works for Town Bay. I know how to, you know, I know who I'm hitting in this coverage, so right. let's just implement it here, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, I'm not one to, you know, say anybody's the greatest ever in any sport. I mean, there's a lot of great players, but, um, you know, who knows in, you know, 50 years from now that there isn't a guy that's in the Super Bowl every year. Right. Um, but yeah, you can't discredit what he's done. He's, he's an amazing, uh, he's an amazing player. And, um, uh, I mean, you saw him today on that boat after a couple of drinks. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it was nice to see actually the, the real person of Tom, you know, how cocky he's always been. Right. It was nice to see him be a little more personable probably the first time he's drank in like a year (laughs) back at it with coach geese for the second quarter guys i want to get into uh your football stories your football background um being brothers i'm interested in uh you know growing up and what uh what was life like in in your home and, and what connected you to the game of football 
growing up, I think we always competed growing up, whether it was football, basketball, video games. Um, I think that helped us both to get to university and junior pretty fast. I think we were just competing on a daily basis uh, with each other. And we grew up in East St. Paul, so in the community we're in, there wasn't many kids around for us. So even though I'm four or five years older than him, uh, it was him who, him and I just playing one-on-one basketball or throwing footballs to each other. So I think that really helped us get an early uh, competitive edge on people. And then you guys went and uh, you both ended up playing for the Eastside Eagles for community football. Um, Drew, you won a championship in your last year there. Uh, tell me about the experience playing for the Eastside Eagles. It, it was great playing there. It was great growing up, getting introduced to the game, especially at, at that time. Talking about how we're growing up uh, into the game and going to Eastside, um, I sort of had an easy, you know, easy way into it, I, I would say, you know, with Sean being older, you know, I was wake up on Sunday. Okay. Sean and my dad are watching NFL Sunday. They're ready. Okay. What am I going to, I'm going to sit on the couch with the boys and watch. Right. Right. Um, and then I really started getting to football. Um, I think seeing Sean, you know, Sean at Eastside had a lot of success, uh, be, you know, running back over at Eastside for many years. Um, and you know, it, it had me thinking, okay, well, if he can do that, why can't I do that? Right. Why can't I be that good? Why can't I be that talented? Right. Mm -hmm. So I was intrigued to see, you know what, can I compete at his level? You know, can I go above him or, you know, do I got to work a little harder to get that level? So that was really my interest and my push to to on the East side Eagle side of things. Yeah. That's so true with uh, kind of family dynamics, right? You see big brother do it and there's, there's no stopping you. Right. I I scored 52 tugs one year. The pinnacle of my football career. Wow. All went downhill after that. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, then, Sean, you go on and play high school at River East. What, uh, what was the experience there playing high school at River East? I'm so grateful when I talk about River East and that I, I had great coaches there. And basically, they produced me twice to go to, uh, to be a, a university coach and then to get me to Mount Allison. Um, Gerald Diddick was very good there. Um, he was a successful junior quarterback. We had Gord Putter and... Uh, it was awesome. I kind of needed it at the time. I was one of those few great tens at the time. Junior f- or high school football and community were kind of on that same level there. Yeah. I think for a while growing up, right? And I had such success in the uh, at the community level that I made the move to gr- in grade ten over there, and it was awesome. It was just a different dynamic for me, and it was great playing. And it, it's really where. I was like, how do I get on the field? As fast? I was a running back. I was like, how do I get on the field as fast as possible? And that's when I switched over to DB. Okay. Um, and it was awesome. Best, one of the best football experience I've had there. So. And then Drew, you also went to, uh, to River East. You followed big bro there, but uh, in your grade 12 year, you decided to transfer and go to St. Paul's. What's uh, what led into that decision? And, and obviously you won a championship. So I think you're probably pretty happy with that call, but uh but what was uh, what was the thought process behind that? Yeah, so I grew up. Uh, one of my best friends uh, actually grew up with me. We played East Side growing up. Um, you know, we're in a lot of you know a lot of seasons, a lot of games together, um, and, and basically grew up you know inside football and outside of football together. Um, he actually went to uh, St. Paul's uh, in grade nine, okay. um, and I and I was pretty close to to, to to joining him at that time, right? Um, just because we were so close. But you know, I said, you know what, I sort of want to stay with the kids in my school and the guys that uh, you know I know outside. So I'm going to go to Reverse for for grade ten and eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing so, of course, um, was on the provincial team for a couple of years. 
years, um, which, you know, my best friend who is uh, at St. Paul's too as well, made the team as well. Um, so it, it, during the provincial teams and the off seasons, you know, I would spend a lot of time with him and the St. Paul's guys getting to know them really well. Right. right. So um, doing that, you know, I was like, wow, these guys are really good. They're down to earth. You know, they're fun to hang around, you know, they're great players on the field. Um, so going into my, into my grade 12 year, I was like, you know what, if you, I want to pursue football, um, later on in my career, you know, and it really strive to, to push myself. Um, you know, I got to get all my options available, right? There was no, at that time, there was no, you know, huddle or anything like that. So, uh, for us, we really had to branch off to, you know, try and sell ourselves as much as possible. Um, and, you know, I thought, you know, there's a good chance with the talent that, you know, St. Paul's had on their team at the time that, you know, they're probably going to be in the finals. Um, so, uh, you know, I said, Hey, let's hop on over there. Me being a receiver, I got to play, um, with Kevin Hayes for two years, right. um, uh, being my quarterback for the provincial team. Um, he was really smart and had a great arm. So, I mean, I couldn't really say, say no to going over there. Right. No, you're absolutely right. He was a very talented quarterback. And, and then guys kind of, you know, you already kind of led into it a little bit, but you both played for the provincial team for a few years. What did you guys take away from, from that experience and kind of the playing with high level players and, and competing, you know, in, in, in a national tournament? It, it was awesome for me. So I, I made it really young on the provincial team. It, it was a U19 team when we were yeah. trying out back in the day, Aaron. So I, I made it as a 16 year old DB on that team. So I was wow. the youngest guy on that team. And, um, you're playing with first year university guys back in the day. And uh, mm -hmm. it, it was awesome experience. It helped you grow so much. Uh, I think the provincial team thing is so good because some of these kids don't have great, like I never had a great DB coach mm -hmm. at high school level, like at all. Right. Um, and then I went to the provincial team level and I had guys like Will Hazel, there uh, Jonesy there. Mm -hmm. And like, just those guys help you get to another level where you're like, oh, okay, now I'm starting to get technical. I think that's one thing growing up is I wish I had a real technical coach, like mm. boom, boom, boom. Um, I was kind of just getting by on skill level, skill level until I got to university. Yeah, you know, Sean it touches on a great point there with the coaching. Um, I think that's a, that was a big aspect, especially for me on the, the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. A lot of community coaches maybe not have the knowledge that, that other coaches in this province do have. Mm -hmm. um, and, and their playbooks can be, you know, maybe basic or not as, you know, crazy as other playbooks around in in the city right so uh, i remember going to my first provincial team practice at the golf dome and, and you know the coach is rolling out saying hey here's the play this is what we're running this is what it's called and i'm like what the hell are they even talking about right like i had like sweep right sweep left like dive yeah. right so um that's huge and you know i got to experience i, I you know great teams throughout my provincial team experience a lot of gold medal and two two bronze um but yeah going out there and competing and and touching back to my last point we really because we didn't have you know huddle or canada football chat things like that we really didn't know who was good in other provinces mm -hmm. right so um to showcase your talents is like you got to go out there and prove that you know you're not only the best in your province but the best in all of canada absolutely right and i think that for me personally that was my motivation when i was going out there oh, i love that man i love kind of the chase to get better and play at a high level and you know, get great coaching. I think that's yeah, all super these important. Kids have it so easy with huddle. Now I was just, we we're just talking today. I was talking to someone in school. I, I had to make copies, VHS yep. copies of my yes. tape like over and over again and send them out. Like it's so easy now for these guys. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Cause when I was uh, interviewing Mason Bennett last week, uh, we were talking obviously about him going to UND and 
when I was a teenager, I had they, they kind of lightly recruited me a little bit, but I remember that uh, I, I had to do the same thing, right? We had to make VHS tapes and send them out. I think by the time I had actually like finished it and sent them out, the signing day was like well past. So you know, like, oh, yeah. I was kind of like, oh, this didn't really work. And so. they were terrible quality. Yeah. They were all choppy. I was just like, what am I doing here? I hear you. After high school, after provincial team, you then uh, both of you separately go out east to play university. Uh, Sean at Mount A and Drew, you went to St. Mary's. What uh, what was it about going out east that was intriguing for you guys? For me, it was the opportunity to to play right away. Um, there was no age gap when I age rule when I played. Right. Um, so there was thirty year old men out there mm-hmm. sometimes, thirty two year old guys playing. So um, that was for me uh, a big thing. Coach Fawcett, who recruited me. Um, is, is well known in this area. I coached the Bombers for a bit too. And uh, he just said, I'm trying to get a young team of 18, 20 year old recruits there. And he sold me on it at Canada Cup. And I met with the DCL Wetmore and it just seemed like a good fit for me to go right away. And I, I tore, I tore my ACL uh, the end of my grade 12 year on the provincial team. So it, it was one of the few options I had to go right away instead of playing junior. And you played your whole career there though, right? Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. And how about you, Drew? What uh, what was it about St. Mary's? Uh, you know, for me, it was, uh, you know, I didn't want to sort of feel trapped in a sense. I think some players here, um, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, feel forced to stay at home or don't have the luxury to go away in talking with, you know, St. Mary's. And, and uh, you know, I was gifted enough, um, allowed to go out there, you know, travel to a different province, you know, stay in a different province. Um, some kids are that grateful for that, but mm-hmm. or can't have that opportunity. Um, but you know, I was able to, and I was like, you know what, I want to go out to a different province, you know, get some, you know, different schooling, get my schooling up, but also see a different type of football. You know, they're they're always saying that, especially um, back in the day, and still a little bit to today now that you know the divisions, mm-hmm. you know, Canada West is different than out east, right? It's right. more tough and rugged, right? So, um, just wanted to go play a different type of ball as well and see what was out there. And then you ended up coming back home and playing for the Rifles a little bit after that. Yeah, correct. And like like Sean said, when I went out there too, the the age rule wasn't uh, wasn't into effect either as well. And and then St. Mary's um, at that time was a lot like the U of M, and um, you know recruiting the older players to come and play, right? So um, I re- I remember us uh, rookies at training camp uh, at St. Mary's going up there, um, and we were like on the fourth line of the depth chart, and we're all fresh eighteen, right? And the rest of these guys are either twenty six and older, right? So you're like. Well, you know, I'm going to be sitting on the bench for a little bit until uh, until I get some playing time, right? So, made that decision to come back home and uh, and uh, you know just fell in love with being back home, playing for the Rifles, playing with guys I grew up with playing, uh, playing up with coaches that uh, you know coached me at the provincial team. Uh, They're all highly respected. I respected them, you know, on the field, off the field. Um, yeah, and just just you know, eventually just fell in love with coaching the game. Back at it for the third quarter with Coach Geese. So, gentlemen, you both had, you know, pretty successful playing careers, and then you both transitioned into coaching. So what I'm interested in, guys, is when you were a player, was the thought of coaching, was that always kind of in the back of your mind? Yeah, I I think so for myself. 
Um, uh, I saw myself at some point doing that down the line. Obviously, you know, playing at that young age, you know, your first goal is always to push your career as far as it's going to go, right? So uh, that, that was my dreams, my hopes, you know, whether that be the NFL, C CFL, whatever it may be, university ball. Um, but at some point, I sort of had a feeling. I was pretty blessed uh, for, you know, a portion of my career being, you know, pretty athletic, um, and, and that did so much. But I always felt like, for me personally, my best attribute uh, was my head, was my brain. Um, but especially as a receiver, realize what the defense is doing. You know, what are they trying to do? How is this going to be able to work? Um, and then that, you know, that started when I was in, you know, grade nine, grade 10, right? So um, I felt like as much as, uh, you know, I was a good player on the field, I was a student of the game as well. Um, and that's where I thought my coaching in my career would come down the line. I remember, you know, in grade, you know, 10, you know, telling, you know, some of our coaches, hey, like, I think we, this, we should run this. This mm -hmm. is going to work. This is what I'm seeing. Okay. You know, and, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. But, you know, just give my input on stuff like that because I'm not just going out there and, you know, just a pylon and running my route or whatnot. I'm actually living, breathe, breathing, seeing the stuff that's going on there. When I was done at Mount A, I kind of needed just a little break from football. And then I was mm -hmm. coached by uh, my old high school coach who was at a different high school. And he said, we were just saw him out one Friday night. He's like, why don't you come coach? And that's basically how I got into it. I never thought about doing it after I was playing, but something I love more than playing now. And uh, it's been great for me personally. Uh, I'm very, uh, very much the same. Coach other guys up and whatever, so the transition into coaching was sort of natural. But uh, I will say that uh, early on in my career, I think like many of us that you know have you know decent football playing careers, we get into coaching, and maybe you're a little arrogant, you're feeling yourself a little bit. I know, I know for myself, I, I don't think I viewed myself at the time like that. But I, looking back, I can definitely see, you know, kind of that uh, initial arrogance. Um, I was coaching at Oak Park uh, early on. We had a really successful team back in 2005. I want to say we were either five and one or six and one in the regular season. And uh, I think the only team we lost to was St. Paul's in the regular season. And uh, going into the playoffs, we had a game against Sisler in the semis. And in the regular season, we had we worked them. We beat them 30 to nothing. So to be honest, I, I wasn't really too concerned. I was already thinking about St. Paul's and that just wasn't our day that nothing worked everything went wrong and uh it was sort of a almost a, a mortifying moment because it's like you know like what just happened and uh i would definitely say that that moment kind of humbled me into coaching and, and kind of you know set me back and and you know looked at it a little bit different and uh, realized that i didn't know everything and i wasn't the greatest thing ever um but for both of you what what was it about like early on in coaching that maybe you learned or you picked up I, I think the first thing is the first time you have to call plays, like the first time you get a DC in or an OC job, because when you're a younger coach, like growing, you are oh, like, why is the DC doing this? Even though I played at a higher level than him mm -hmm. or yada, 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 you're, you're arrogant, you're cocky about the way you think and maybe thinking you only have the right way. But the first time you actually have to sit there and you have control, you're like, Oh, Oh, it's a little harder than it is. Like yeah. I, I know I'm doing everything right here. I'm in the right call sometimes, but mm -hmm. it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, really, relationship building is a thing I've learned growing through throughout. And uh, you can have all the X's and O's, but if your guys don't want to play for you, you're never going to win games. Oh, that's an excellent answer, man. And how about you, Drew? Yeah, you know, it's 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 very similar to um, what you said. 
getting, you know, humble, you know, mm-hmm. eventually, you know, it's going to come down the line eventually. And yeah. especially being a young coach, you go in there and, you know, me as an offense coordinator, you know, you're going to come in with a game plan, you know, whether it's, you know, we're going to run this this week because, you know, this group, this position group is weak or, Hey, we're going to attack this player. Um, Sometimes it just doesn't work out, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, I remember back coaching K, we played a team and they had a really good front seven. Um, and, you know, they were bigger, stronger, faster than us. And I'm like, hey, let's spread them out. Let's go five wide and let's go vertical. Let's go east and west on them. Let's space them out. Let's get them in traffic, right? Yeah. Just didn't work out, right? Didn't work out, right? And you got to be able to, on the fly, change and not be so stubborn with it. You know, not so stick with it where, hey, you know, it's the third quarter. It's eventually going to pop. Hey, well, when you're down 21, yeah. is it really going to matter at that point, right? So, um, and then what what I find, too, you know, what was most helpful is um, listen to my position coach um, core coaches, you know, sometimes you get, you know, so single-minded on your play sheet and you're like, Hey, what am I going to call? Okay. If this is second and long, I'm going to call this, or if this is, you know, second and short, I'm going to call this and just get so dialed in with it rather than, you know, going to your coaches saying like, Hey guys, you guys are actually seeing, you know, the coverages, what the fronts are looking like. Is there anything that you think we should attack? Or is there anything that you're seeing that I'm not seeing? And and then you guys both kind of had a cool experience being able to coach uh, U16 together, 2017 to 2019. You know, what was that like to uh, to coach together? And, you know, what was that overall experience of those three years coaching at that level? It, it was a great staff to be on with uh, Jeff Reddy. Like, I didn't know many guys going on there and uh, on that staff. And we became very tight. Like, we still all hang out together. So I think as a staff, it was awesome. Um, we had very good success the first two years. We're in the, the finals. Um, Should have won the second year. Played great. Uh, and second it, it, up until the second half and uh right. it, it, it's been an awesome experience doing the provincial team and uh, i'm so thankful i'm able to do that stuff it's been great coaching with drew too um one funny story i'm gonna tell drew sure. is so they put us up in a box in Kamloops, okay. and but the box has no walls there like no walls at all there's no box okay so one team has to go on the roof and one team has to sit in thing, but they're doing the broadcast. Like the broadcaster yeah. is literally right here to my face. Like we're next. So of course, like we gave up a, a hail mary touchdown. So I, I tossed my headset and said maybe a few words. Yeah. I was like, wasn't too pleased with it, and <laughs> they're just like, you got to kick one of the brothers out of the box here. Like it's too much. So um, it's been great coaching with him, and even our dad, like our dad coached us a lot growing up. So yeah. um, even when all three of us watch football, it's a great experience. Oh, that's awesome. I actually remember I remember that moment. <laughs> it was the worst box setup I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that's too funny. Well, then I feel like, you know, with, with Sean coaching DBs, me coaching receivers, especially early on when we're trying to, you know, see the best of the best in our position groups, mm-hmm. um, them, you know, finding out that we're brothers, one-on-ones or a competition period. Hey, let's wrap this up a little more, yeah. hey, right? And I'll, sometimes I'll chirp Sean, Sean will chirp me, all in a playful mood, but we know, like, hey, we're going to chirp, act this out, get these guys really fired up, right? Yeah. These guys see it and they're like, oh, man, these brothers want to go after each other. Like, hey, I want to go for my coach. And the DBs are going, hey, I want to go for my coach. Right. right. So um and then you know Sean did his DBs the first year and then you know transitioned to being a DC mm-hmm. um and didn't have to do the DBs specifically. He got a DB coach. Yeah. Um so yeah. he got to oversee everything. Um yeah and you know it, it was nice for him. You know, I had another set of eyes on the field. He's mm-hmm. talking to me saying, hey, you know what, I think this receiver's really good. What do you think about this receiver? And I'm doing it for his DBs too, eh? Yeah. I'm seeing these one-on-ones. Hey, what do you think about you know 21? He's got really good feet but he's kind of small. Do you think, you know, he can make the team or not? So mm-hmm. it was nice, you know, on, you know, our car rides home to bounce ideas off of each other. 
yeah, I, I think too, I, I think with part of the provincial team program is you have to be, because I think as a younger coach, we don't like, okay, if we're not on the staff, why am I going to go help these guys out? Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's something in Manitoba we can get better at. Um, having just more guys out there in the first and second stage just to help yes. out and get more eyes on kids and get more one-on-one time with them. I love that, guys. I love the I love the the competition and the one-on-ones and you know getting getting guys revved up. That's that's awesome. I love that. Um, so, Drew, you uh, you then take the U16 uh, and you parlay it into uh, coaching on Team Canada for U16. What uh, what was that experience like? Where was the tournament held? And what did you think about working with some of those wrecks? Uh, yeah, so we, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to, to get chosen onto that staff. Uh, myself and Jeff Reddy were the, were the two guys from Team Manitoba that got chosen. Um, went down to Dallas, Texas for, for a little tournament. Cool. Uh, it wasn't structured as much as like the other games that they have that you normally see with the U18 teams and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, man, the experience was none other that I've seen before. My job was pretty easy. We were just down there for a week. Um, I, you know, my receivers were extremely talented. Um, you know, even going in, it was nice to see that, you know, we did the provincial team tournament. You know, I got to notice who are the really good wrecks on the other teams. Yeah. And then when it got, you know, the, our roster got announced and I'm like, holy crap, my, my, my death chart is stacked over here. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I did. It wasn't like, you know, I didn't feel at any point that I had to start, Hey, these four or five guards guys and play them the entire game. Mm-hmm. I was changing them per series because I'm like, every guy on this team can make a play and make a big play. Um, so my guys were all fresh. Um, you know, one of the, one of the guys that, you know, I was talented to, you know, or privileged to coach mm-hmm. um, was a Joe, a Joe. Uh, he's playing for Clemson football right yep. now. Um, and, you know, and, and played in, you know, his freshman season. So um, it's a guy like that. I still talk to him, you know, here and there. I talk to the other guys on the team. So keeping those connections, you know, seeing now, uh, you know, I'm privileged where I get to see those guys growing up. Now they're choosing their schools. They're going to university. You know, they're going playing university ball, junior, whatever it may be. So I like being able to stay in touch with them and follow their, you know, their career paths and see where they were going. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great to stay involved. And I, I, you know, going back to what you said about relationship building and whatnot, like, that, that's all it's about, right? Like we make these connections and, and me being able to do this podcast has been huge for that. So uh, I totally agree with you. I think uh, the more connections we can make and the closer we can be with our, our teammates and uh, our coaches is all for the better. Sean, uh, in 2018, you became the head coach at River East. Um, you won the championship. Uh, tell me about that season. Uh, yeah, I went one and done there. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I like to... I like the bug Drew here that I'm one of the greatest head coaches of all time in the high school league because who goes one and done? Um, it, it, it was great. Uh, like I had a very, I had a five year plan going into like River East. I, I didn't think I would get an opportunity to go to Manitoba and coach there that luckily came up. So mm-hmm. I had a whole five year plan. Um, the first year was to stay in double A have great success there and then move up to AAA and hopefully be in one of those top four spots competing with St. Paul's and Dakotas and the Masseys. Yeah. Um, I felt like I, I could uh, put that end of town kind of back on the football map. Sure. Um, so like one thing we did was we never talked about winning there. We didn't talk about uh, winning games, winning titles, winning anything. All we talked about was controlling our effort. That's all I told the kids. That's the only thing I'm going to get mad at you for. Mm-hmm. If it's, I'm going to get on you if your effort sucks. But if everything else is good and we're executing, we'll be fine. Wins will come and will come. And they came in bunches there. We had a really talented team with uh, Sam Hezekiah, who's now he gets coached at the U of M. And right. uh, 
he was so talented playing quarterback and DB for us. And we, we were great on special teams. And that's really what wants the game. We didn't score a touchdown in the finals, um, blocked a punt for a tug. And then we uh, had a pick six for a tug. So um, it, it was great. It's a, it's another experience when you go from TV coach to DC to head coach. And you just, especially in a high school setting, you don't know how much stuff that head coach actually has to go through and, go meet with the principal every second day about a kid's issue here. What are we going to do to sometimes a troubled kid, like football is the only thing keeping him in school. Mm -hmm. So suspending him from football is not going to be a thing. Maybe we can try to get him to get some work done in order to keep playing football. So it was interesting. It helped me grow as a coach. Uh, I highly respect Robin Mead for giving it to me uh, after a year uh, there. So um, that's what I can say about that. Oh, I love I love the the comment about effort, right? If uh, if the players are going to give us their effort, I mean, the rest we, we as coaches we should be able to handle most of that. So, yeah, uh, I'm in agreement with that. So, one of the things, guys, uh, at Big Air Academy that I'm really trying to uh, improve is, is the mental components to teaching my quarterback. So, you know, not just reading defenses and and being able to uh, you know diagnose what's going on, but just the mental side, the thought process that go on the uh the internal dialogue you know the self-talk all that kind of stuff so that's definitely something that i'm you know trying to work on and improve because i really feel like that'll make a difference moving forward for the guys that i work with so sean in terms of that season winning the championship was there anything that you did to to help motivate that group um so we always just said trust in the process trust in the process um and we went through that thing of just trust 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 to have faith in everyone um that, that was a good team we had with great kids that bought in early and um i heard jimbo fisher i was watching a thing today when he was at florida state he goes one guy can change a culture mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a coach but one player can change a culture in a room uh, and we had a bunch of great 12s on that team that were like okay we can start this thing off and i like coach oh take it off and uh, and they really bought in. So those kids, hats off to them. They did all the work. I didn't do much there. Fourth quarter action with Coach Geese and Drew and Sean Olesquich. So Drew, you are at Dakota as the receivers coach. Um, I'm interested, you know, you've been there for a few years. What do you like about the Dakota program? My big thing is we're triple A ball, which of course, you know, I want to, you know, coach at the highest level, uh, you know, for high school, I love coaching high school kids. Um, and just, it's it just being so young and raw still, there's not a lot of history there yet. We're sort of making that path, you know, that path for those kids that are coming up for those coaches that are coming up. Um, and, and just to compete that those kids have, you know, uh, we do have a, a portion of kids that come on our roster that have played football before, you know, from St. Mattel or other locations, but, um, you know, there are, you know, kids that have never played football before that you know have played either rugby or, or hockey or or basketball right, right. Um, and that's what one thing that I like about being there especially is you know there's a lot of talent there but being able to coach that talent you can tell these guys aren't football guys but trying to coach up to the athletes where they can succeed on the field right and and that's what we see you know um, you we have a lot of pride in our special teams and, and it's nice when you know guys starting up you know we can put them on a kickoff team or a kick return team and hey they might know not know how to you know run routes yet or whatnot mm-hmm. but Hey, they can fly down the field and make some plays. And and you're totally true in terms of the talent that you you know you guys have assembled there. Um, there's a couple of guys, uh, Caden Caligiuri, who's who I've been able to train for a number of years. 
and uh, Carter Scramita receiver that was uh, out at our camp, you know, last when we were able to go. Um, both those guys, super talented, nice kids. You know, uh, you know how exciting is it is it is for you for, to you know to work with guys like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've been, you know, myself and the, the rest of the staff and the school have been pretty blessed. We haven't really had, you know, too many down years, maybe one here or there. But for the most part, we've had, a, you know, a pretty solid quarterback, uh, you know, pretty solid receivers. Um, and, you know, we're blessed to have them, uh, you know, especially being a triple A. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to go sit there and run the ball 40 times a game and, and win games like that. Eventually, you know, playing the defenses, the players that we play against, somebody's going to make a play. Somebody's going to make a stop. You're going to have to go to the air at some point. Point, right, right. Um, and, and it's nice, you know. Um, it's it's nice to see Triple A ball that you know maybe a quarterback's gonna you know not have the best judgment on a throw. Maybe he's gonna try and let his receiver make a play, throwing a double or triple coverage. And, and for me, it's nice to see that you know showcasing the receivers, you know, making those catches. You yeah, know, great. You shouldn't have made that catch. You shouldn't <laughs> have thrown that ball. Hey, but you're making plays. All right, let's keep this drive going downfield, right? So yeah. uh, being blessed to see that, you know, I couldn't be with a part of an offense that is just gonna sit there and hand the ball off and hand the ball off and, you know, throw it a couple times a game. Yeah. I could do it. You know, I love, you know, me as an OC when my OC days, you know, sure, I like to run the ball, but, hey, I like to air it out as well, right? So uh, when you have those talented players around you, um, it makes it a whole lot easier on your game plan. Absolutely. It makes, it makes life really easy and fun. <laughs> so, Sean, Sean, you are uh, you took a big step and you got on the Bison staff as a DB coach. Uh, what's your role there, and how are you enjoying being on the staff so far? Uh <sighs> If Coach Carhut listens to this, he'll make fun of me. Okay. Um, but working for Stan has been the biggest change in my life in the last three years that I've been there now, or two years, whatever yeah. it's been. Um, I've learned so much from Stan. Like I, I tell people this analogy all the time is we've gone to Nike clinics, Drew and I together. We've done a bunch of clinics. I've seen Les Miles talk. I've seen um, the old Miss coach there talk. Like yeah. We've seen like great coaches talk but sure. i learned more from stan sitting in his office just talking football for an hour with him and um so it's been great that way um to learn from him uh, dj lalambo was on one of his podcasts or he was doing a podcast i listened to and he, yeah. he said um stan's d is more complicated than most cfl defenses right. so um, just the way we play stuff. It was what I needed to grow as a coach at the time. I was kind of at the high school level. I was kind of like, okay, well, I was kind of bored calling plays there. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. hey, I'm getting the five, same five, six row combinations. And my DBs are now at a, a point where they're realizing row combinations when we teach it in film. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty easy to, um, it was easier for us going forward so it, it's been the biggest blessing in my life i love being down there i can't wait to pull an igf field yeah. there um when we're back playing uh it's been the biggest thing i'm missing in my life right now so coach b's been amazing working with coach dobies obviously he's a living legend of football in the city and just the way he handles recruiting and everything else i've never seen a harder working guy like people don't understand that about brian like mm -hmm. he is on the phone constantly 24 7 like we'll leave the office after practice after sitting there for an hour or two hours mm -hmm. and he's still in his office at 10 30 he gets there at 9 a.m like his wife must be an angel <laughs> because he uh he puts in the hours and, and that's the one thing i've really taken from him um 
and just relationships and given second chances, you, you've obviously played in the as a program. Brian's a big second chance guy. He'll give right. you a third chance as long as you he thinks he believes in you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I've really taken in my life now. Is like second, third chances are okay. If people learn from their mistakes as long as they're not making the same mistakes. So no. Oh, very true, and very true of Coach Doby. He's a great man and a great coach. Um, so guys, we're getting to the end here. Uh, Drew, I'm going to go with you and. I'd like to know who is your favorite receiver of all time and why? Um, I'm a little bit of Homer on this one because uh, I'm, a, I'm a Falcons fan. So okay. uh, Julio Jones is, you know, my number one. I also have a lot of respect for, you know, Jerry Rice. Um, both those guys, you know, big fans. I, you know, I think they stand out from a lot of other receivers, great receivers, just because they can do everything. They can go vertical downfield. You know, they can come down, catch screen passes. You know, they can run slants across the middle of the field and they can block. Right. They're not scared to get physical either as well. Right. So I think when you have guys like that where, you know, you can't real really realize that, hey, by the way, you know, most of the time he's going to go vertical on us or, you know, most of the time he's just going to run science all the time when they, have, you know, such an arsenal of weapons around them or they can do anything and you can't really do much. Right. They're, they're, you know, they're faster than you. They're stronger than you. You're right. They know where they're going. You don't know where they're going. You're always a step behind them, especially at that level. You know, it's such a delay. So I think those two would be my top just because of how well-rounded they were. So what, what are they going to do with Julio? Are they going to re-sign him? You know, I, I hope so. It, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I hope they sign him just because, you know, I'm such a fan of his, uh, especially being a receiver. Um, but, um, you know, It'll be interesting with Julio. Of course, in previous years, he's had a lot of injury issues. Yeah. Um, of course, is that going to continue with old age, right? Um, so, of course, I don't want to, as a as a fan of the team, I don't want to be paying him that money. <laughs> he's going to be sitting on the bench for half True. a year, right? Um, so, I, I mean, I hope he's back for for another year, but uh, but we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm excited about Arthur Smith coming in and seeing what kind of offense he's going to implement, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just you know, seeing if we can get a running back that you know can somewhat you know, fit into that offense and do what they were doing in Tennessee. And how about you, you Sean? You're a DB guy. Who's your favorite DB of all time and why? Oh, I have a, I have a whole book. But prime time, of course, like everyone says prime time. Fair. But uh, like you and I, obviously big Florida fans. Like yeah. I, I love that Florida secondary that they had under Urban Meyer, like Joe Hayden, mm-hmm. Major Wright. Like yeah. that Major Wright hit in the Oklahoma National Championship yes. game. Still the biggest. We'll never see a hit like that again because it's going to be targeted. He's going to be kicked out, but it sets <laughs> the tone. Um, so I, I really like those guys. I like what Pete Carroll has done with like Legion of Boom back in the day. Yeah. I'm just a fan of all around good DB play, but Dion's the top of my list. I, he was just so athletic and he, even like one of my favorite things to see is him work in the combine and just like, yeah. and, and he'll rip coaches out there and be like, they're teaching terrible technique like he doesn't like the new stuff like yeah. so it, it's kind of cool like to see him in this role and i'm i'm very interested to see him at jackson state now and kind of mm-hmm. how he's gone from a player to a coach and mm-hmm. it, it's gonna be uh, like i'm excited to watch jackson state play in a couple weeks like yeah. I'll, I'll stream that off something absolutely well those are those are fantastic choices guys dion dion obviously is a great choice I want to say thank you to you guys for being on. It was awesome, you know, to really get to know you guys and uh, be able to talk football, tell our football stories. So I appreciate you being on. And uh, I also want to thank the people that are listening. And, uh, yeah, you guys, uh, I hope you enjoyed your time. Oh, it was awesome, buddy. Thank you. All right, no problem. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on, man. That was great. Okay, you guys take care.